Lord Jesus Christ, we gather today here in this house to hear from you. Lord, may our hearts be open to hear from you, to receive from you. Speak to us clearly, Lord Jesus Christ. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. You can tell it's Labor Day weekend because everyone with tiny children has like fled. It's, it's, like, it's like really quiet in here today, isn't it? <laughs> of course, as soon as I say that, we'll hear a, a, a metal coffee mug probably get dropped any minute. Uh, if anyone wants to go ahead and break the ice and take care of that, go for it. Um, well, good morning. Th- yeah, there we go. There was one. <laughs> uh, good morning. Thank you for being here today. I'm Pastor Rick. Um, uh, if, if you and I haven't had a chance yet to meet, I'll be kind of floating around up at the front here um, after the service. Would love to chat with you. Um, Thank you for being here today. So before my first year of college, uh, I went on this 14-day wilderness excursion called High Road. Have any of you heard of this, Ben? All right, no one. Great. <laughs> I swear it's awesome. Um, it's great. Uh, and and I've, I've told this story before, so if you've heard this story, uh, bear with me. So... <clears throat> I was pumped to go on this two-week wilderness excursion. It was, it was an adventure through uh, northern Wisconsin, through the, the wilderness and the forest there with, with 12 other guys. And if you've ever gone on a trip like this, you know that half the fun is simply preparing for the journey, you know, because uh, you have to make sure you have all the right gear and everything. Uh, so I probably spent a month prior to this making sure that I had sturdy boots, uh, making sure that I had wool socks, uh, quick dry shirts, and anything else that was on the packing list that was provided to us by the camp. Uh, so finally, the day came, uh, we climbed on the bus, I climbed on the bus, uh, Kissed mom and dad goodbye, got on the bus, and the bus started heading into the forests of Wisconsin. Well, after several hours of driving, the bus stops in the middle of a forest. I look out the windows, and like, there's no, there's no structures around or anything like that. It was, it was a little uh, alarming, to say the least. Some old guy hops onto the bus, and he tells us all it's time to get off the bus. Uh, and he says, go wait kind of over there in the trees. You'll see kind of a clearing. Uh, grab your bags, go and wait over there. And then, like, like a herd of, of Sasquatch, uh, these, these counselors sort of emerge from the misty woods and they start walking among us. And they tell us to open up the contents of our bags and just dump it all out there on the floor in the woods. So it was was kind of a humiliating experience. So they're going through and they're sorting through everything and they're telling all of the the kids, these prospective college students, what they can and cannot bring on this wilderness trip. One counselor came over to my pile of, of gear that I had spent a long time preparing for and he counts how many pairs of underwear that I have. And he says, this is a 14 day wilderness trip and you brought seven pairs of underwear? He's like, you only need two, get rid of the rest. <laughs> I'm like, oh my goodness, this is crazy. And, and then I would notice they went to some people and they'd say, these, these boots are rubbish. And they'd pick up the boots, go and disappear into the woods and then come back later with new boots and say, these, these are your boots now, uh, put those on. Now, why did they do this? Is it because they were control freaks? Because uh, they wanted to humiliate us? Um, 
maybe, I guess that's debatable. But I think ultimately the reason why they did this is because they wanted us to survive on the journey. They wanted us to make sure that we were well prepared. Uh, they wanted to make sure that we would enjoy this journey. Uh, this was a, a Christian camp. They wanted to make sure that as we spent so much time in the wilderness and God's creation, that our hearts wouldn't be um, distracted by other things, that we would be able to open our minds and our hearts to receive uh, from what the Lord had for us during that experience. They didn't want us to suffer from soggy clothes or blistered feet or uh, packs that were too burdensome with um, five extra pairs of underwear. Uh, in essence, they were here telling us, count the cost. Count the cost. Prepare for the journey ahead. Well, for the past several weeks here at Restoration, we've been preaching through uh, the liturgical passages of Hebrews. Um, and it, it, it was a, a lovely time. We, we've been looking at what it means to endure in the faith. The world around us right now is shaking, is it not? Uh, it, it's almost as if we've been living through some kind of like mini apocalyptic age. Uh, all sorts of institutions or, or I ideas have been shaken through all of this. And as we've been thinking about endurance, we've been doing so to, to encourage one another to link arms with our brothers and sisters in Christ and to keep our focus on Jesus Christ. And so in light of all of that, that then brings us to this gospel passage. And we read a passage like this, and it feels abrupt. Jesus says some pretty stark, rattling things in this. It can, it can feel abrasive. But what Jesus is doing here is he's, he's looking into our backpack. He wants to see the contents of us, of, of what we're carrying with us. And yes, we've been preparing for this for, for several weeks now. We've been going through Hebrews, or, or like me, preparing for this journey. We've, we've been doing good, but now's the time in which Jesus is looking into our backpack. And he says, and, and we're saying, Jesus, we want to follow you. And he says, any one of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. Stop the bus and empty your bags. In other words, Jesus wants to make sure that we're ready for the journey. So we're going to look at, at Luke's passage today. I've got three parts that I'd like to pull out of this. Uh, so let's dive in. So in verse 25, Jesus says, If anyone comes after me and does not hate his own father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Now, Jesus does not mean that you should hate, uh, harbor hateful attitudes towards your family. Do, do you hear that, Karis? Do not hate your family, Okay. Um, it's very common in Jewish teaching uh, for rabbis to speak in matters of uh, hyperbole and exaggeration in order to make a strong point. Uh, in fact, I could probably retell my opening illustration with a bit more accuracy uh, to, to make a confession to you all. I may have exaggerated. The, the counselors were not actually like Sasquatch. I'm, I'm sorry to break your heart there. Uh, but the Bible, the Bible is pretty clear. It tells us to honor your father and mother. The Bible tells us to, uh, if, for those of you who have children, to provide for your children. Uh, in Ephesians 5, the Bible tells us to lay down our lives for our spouse. So Jesus here is not, is not saying to ha hate your family. No, he's saying that all of the love and the honor that you show towards your family, towards your, your most dear relationships in this world, are, must be dwarfed in comparison to your love for him. In other words, Jesus wants all of your adoration. He wants all of your heart. He wants all of your affections. He wants all of your adoration to be pointed and directed to him. 
Uh, so this past week, uh, 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 an engaged couple came over to our home. Yeah, I'm, I'm talking about you guys, yeah. Uh, they came over to our home, uh, and we talked about their upcoming wedding. It was, it was lovely. It's so fun seeing a new couple, like, sitting on a couch, looking into one another's eyes, you know. Now, let's say this did not happen, to be clear. Okay, I'm not going to be exaggerating this part at all. Uh, but let's just say that I asked uh, the guy, uh, so why, why do you want to marry this girl? So what if he said, well, she, she reminds me of this girl I dated in high school who was really cool. <laughs> like, oh my gosh, that'd be so offensive, right? Or, or what if he said, she has really cool friends, and I figure if I marry her, I get to hang out with her friends a little bit more. Like, yikes. Or, or what if he says, have, you need to taste the food that she cooks, because if I marry this girl, I'm going to eat good for the rest of my life. You know, like... Like, if he were to say anything like that, she would probably smack him, right? Because what that would demonstrate to us is just how disordered his affections are, especially that first one. Oh, my goodness. Well, if you're here today at church because you really like the, the fellowship that is here, you like the friends that you have here, or, or maybe it, it's because this reminds you of, of better days in your past, or maybe you're here because there's some sort of like alternative gift that you get. You know, maybe it's like a couple minutes where someone else is watching your kid or something like that. If you're here because of only one of those things, and, and granted, those, those are good things, but if that's your primary reason for being here, then you're missing the point. Because we are here to lift up our hearts to Jesus Christ. He wants all of our adoration. I wasn't planning on saying this, but a, a few weeks ago, uh, there, was, there was a gentleman here who kind of caught our attention. Uh, in Anglican circles, there's, you know, there, there's Anglican churches that are kind of low on the candlestick and some that are kind of like Anglo-Catholic or high on the candlestick. And, and one of you told me that after the service, you walked up to this gentleman and said, why are you here today? And he said, the body of Christ. And it was like, oh, okay, that's, that's kind of jostling, right? You know, and we kind of giggled about that after the service, like who talks like that? But in essence, like that's the primary reason why we're here. We're here to worship Jesus. We're here to, be, to come to the table and to be nourished by Jesus, to be fed by him. He is deserving of all of our love and all of our adoration, our affection. All right, in verse 27, uh, Jesus says, Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. So the cross in ancient times was a, an utterly shameful way uh, to die. Uh, only rebels and insurrectionists of the Roman Empire uh, would be killed on a cross. In fact, it was, it was so shameful that the Romans themselves uh, barely talk about crucifixion. If, if you kind of do a survey of all ancient manuscripts that we have from the Roman world, they barely talk about crucifixion. But archaeologists, the, the evidence is clear uh, that crucifixion was very, very common, especially around large cities uh, where rebel, uh, rebellions would occur. You would see evidence, archaeological evidence of crucifixions happening. And yet here we are, despite all the shame that existed in the ancient world surrounding this practice, here our Jesus is pointing at it. He's drawing it to the people's public attention. And not only that, he's using it as a model of discipleship. He says, take up your cross. He says that to all of the disciples. Jesus is leveraging this shameful, embarrassing form of execution to explain what it means to follow him. Just as Jesus physically took upon himself the cross, we too must be prepared to make life-altering decisions because of our commitment to Christ. 
So Jesus doesn't just want your heart, he wants your life. He wants your service. He wants your sacrifice. He wants your actions. Uh, so the Nika family, Ben, are you in here right now? He's going to be speaking. Oh, there we go. Hey, Ben. The Nika family is going to be moving to Scotland. Uh, and at the end of the service, um, or at the end of the second service, we're going to be speaking a word of commissioning to them. And Ben, you're, you're leaving a, um, a comfortable job. You know, you're, you're, it, it's, it's a comfortable job it's at a very stable company in order to move overseas and study theology. And the hope, the, the intersection of theology and, and finances, and the hope is that, is that the lessons gleaned from your time of study will be applied to the church, where you can stir the church to take those financial risks for the sake of the kingdom. Uh, and you've, you've been a voice of that uh, to our congregation, and we've been very blessed by that. And you're going to have... Uh, it's easy to see the, the fun elements of, of your time over there. Who, who doesn't want to spend a good season in Scotland, right? Maybe um, sipping some local beverages. Um, you know, it, it'll be, there'll be some wonderful parts of it. But by and large, you're leaving what's known to you, what's comfortable to you, what's secure to you for the sake of the kingdom. This is a downwardly mobile, self-sacrificing, kingdom-oriented action. Jesus wants all of our actions. It's not just here about uh, tuning our affections to Christ, but what are the immediate implications in our lives that that would um, have for us? So Jesus wants all of our action as well. So the, the third part of this, Jesus tells two quick parables in this. First, he tells the story of a builder building a tower and then a king going to war. The problem in both of these situations is that neither of those individuals take the time to consider if they have enough resources to actually finish the task. Uh, I, I spent a summer in Kazakhstan and, and had been under um, communist rule for, for, a little, for a period, and all across uh, the countryside, you would see these half-finished buildings all over the place. And it was, it was a little embarrassing to look at because you could see that they had been unfinished for a really long time. So the outcome in, in the Bible story here is that the builder, he becomes the laughing stock of the town. And the king is put to shame because rather than going to this battle in victory, he has to grovel at the feet of the invading army and, and beg, for, um, beg for peace. Have any of you ever had to hold, like, multiple jobs at the same time? And when that happens, you, you probably have this, like, split brain sort of situation that, that happens, you know? Because you know what it's like to sit at one job, and then all you can really think about is, like, the other job? And then you go to the other job, and all you can think about is the one that you were just at? You know, the problem there, and, and, and what you probably begin to do is you, you start to forget details, uh, maybe you, you drop some balls here and there. You make some poor judgments. Uh, or, or maybe you don't have the time to complete projects that you've been assigned. And the reason is because your attention is split. Your, your mind is split. So I suspect that both the, both the builder and the king, they failed epically in, the, epically in this story because their attention was probably split. The builder probably had four or five like side hustles that were going on. The king probably had some other skirmishes that were taking place uh, that he needed to figure out. Jesus says, forget about everything else. Focus on me. He says, I want all of your attention. I want all of your mind to be focused on me. He wants it all. So these are all challenging words for us to hear. Jesus wants all of our affection, all of our action, all of our attention. 
You know, and we talked a little bit about how counselors, a, a good guide taking you on a journey should make your, your burden a little lighter, right? And we hear these words and we're like, oh my goodness, like everything, everything? You want me to pick up my cross, Jesus? Instead of making our load lighter, this, this sort of feels like he's throwing more rocks into our bag, doesn't it? Well, there's good news for us this morning. Jesus wants your life because he has given you his life. Jesus himself was humbled. He humbled himself. He walked among us. He clothed himself in flesh. He himself suffered upon a cross for you so that you could have his life. He took upon himself what we all deserved. He became a curse upon a tree. On the third day, he rose again from the grave, trampling hell and Satan under his feet. And Jesus is the king of kings who does not miscalculate a battle. He faces the devil head on, knowing that the victory is his. And then he gives you his resources. The same spirit that indwells him dwells in you. Jesus is that master carpenter, a builder. I almost said master builder, but that would kind of make us think of Legos. No, Jesus is that master carpenter, right? He's the one who has unlimited resources to finish the project. So when he calls you to come and to follow him, he gives you the resources of heaven. He gives you the Holy Spirit, who is your advocate, your helper, your guide, your counselor, right? And by the power of the Holy Spirit, you can walk in the Jesus way. But also, he, he's given you an earthly family here. He's, he's placed you within Holy Mother Church. So that even though your own earthly family might misunderstand you or mock you or betray you, you can come within Holy Mother Church and have a home where she has blessed you with many brothers and sisters, where you can be nourished and fed and protected from the turbulent waters of this troublesome world. You see, friends, Jesus wants your life, but he gives you a rich, abundant life in return. You're not left to do this on your own, but he fills you and nourishes and equips you. May you count the cost and follow after Jesus. Let us pray. Lord Jesus Christ, what you ask of us is large and mighty. It is overwhelming, Lord Jesus Christ. And left to ourselves, Lord, we cannot do it. But Jesus, thank you that you ask us to go where you yourself have already been. So Lord, whenever we feel discouraged or overwhelmed, may we turn to you. We, we ask for the gift of your Holy Spirit to be poured afresh within us. May we surround ourselves with the family of the church, Lord, where we can lean on one another and seek your wisdom and counsel. Jesus, we thank you that you have given us every gift that we need, every, every tool, every um, garment, every gift needed to remain faithful to you. Lord, we love you. We pray all this in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.